Hello, my name is Reverend Jodie Stoll. Over the lockdown period, I was in one of the few million households who were required to shield because I live with someone who is clinically extremely vulnerable. On the 1st of August, the shielding programme ended or paused, but we were no less vulnerable. So we, along with those other millions of people, had to begin to figure out what it meant to live as a CEV household in a world where COVID-19 is here to stay. The way that I see the world and make sense of my faith in it is now fundamentally impacted by this experience. And so this is my podcast, Shielded. You're very welcome here. Welcome back to this podcast. This is the final episode of this six week series. I know it's very sad, but don't worry. I do plan to be back in the new year with a brand new series. Hurrah! Over the last six weeks, we have meandered along the paths of different aspects of vulnerability, resilience, weakness, well-being and fear. And this week, we come back to vulnerability itself. I remember getting into a bit of trouble with this on Twitter, not a completely unknown phenomenon for me on Twitter. In this case, I had been pondering the idea that vulnerability is often thought of as something which we are to avoid in our character. It is used to describe those in our society who are to be looked after, who are needy, perhaps even those who are to be pitied. In an effort to present the idea that vulnerability may be something beyond this, I tweeted that vulnerability was a lifestyle choice. Of course, some people thought I was saying that those people who were vulnerable because they were poor or had mental health issues or because they had a disability had somehow made a poor life decision which had led to their vulnerability. A reminder to me to be careful with my words and also that 140 characters, as it was then, are not always enough for complex concepts. But the reaction did lead me to realise that the idea of being vulnerable is pretty universally understood to be a bad thing. If you are vulnerable, you are to be done to. You need to be helped. Those who are vulnerable are seen as inherently fragile. This is to be avoided at all costs. In recent years, the language of vulnerability has been so distasteful to us that the safeguarding language has changed from vulnerable adult to adult at risk. A good change in some ways, because the reality is that we are all vulnerable, although I think the change was rather catalyzed by an allergic reaction to anyone being categorized as vulnerable. My somewhat clumsy tweet was trying to say that vulnerability could be something that we choose rather than something which is imposed on us as a label to describe a particular frailty that we have. I want to choose to live a vulnerable life. Even as I say those words, I'm aware of my resistance 
to cracking open those places inside me which are hard and defended. But I am also aware of the sense of relief that it isn't compulsory to spend all that energy, the energy it takes to keep the watchtowers defended. There is another way. You may wonder why anyone would think that vulnerability is a good thing and why I would advocate for this kind of life. I think the truth is that I've seen the damage that a hard and defended life can bring. We are living it at the moment in the church as we tackle a decline in church going and are afraid of what that means for our own faith and what it means about who God is and what the body of Christ should look like. The loud swan songs that the Church of England has been engaged in in the last few years have been more a testimony of our collective incapability to acknowledge our vulnerability, to wear our wounds, to choose death in hope of resurrection than they have been about saving the Church of Christ as if God needs saving. In the first episode of this series, I spoke of the symbol of the dragonfly, about the fact that its transformation from larvae to beautiful creature that delights us means that it moves from a more robust state to a more vulnerable one. I chose for my ordination in 2011 to have a dragonfly tattoo as an external ordination sign, that as a priest in the Church of England, I was going to become more vulnerable, not less. I continue to need to decide each day for this to be my lifestyle choice. So my guest today is Philip Cochrane. Philip is originally from Northern Ireland and moved to Canada in 2019, where he is the rector of St Paul's in Vancouver. Before that, he was in the leadership structures of several dioceses in the Church of England and involved in school leadership in the communities he's been part of. Philip says he tries to teach from the Bible in a way that helps people encounter the God of love and to live differently as a result. Sounds good to me. Here's what he has to say about his experience of vulnerability. The New York pastor Tim Keller writes this on marriage. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. That speaks to me very powerfully. And I, when I was asked by Jody to say something around vulnerability, this is what I wanted to talk about. Uh, this, this desire to be known and loved at the same time. I was brought up uh, in the 1970s and 80s in Northern Ireland during the Troubles. And one learned very quickly to be careful. Careful about what you said to other people careful about the people you talked to, careful about the places you went to. You always had to be careful because your life depended on it. And that translated way too easily 
into compartmentalizing our own lives, that we had to hide things that we might be a bit shameful and, uh, and, and we would be embarrassed about. So we kind of always wanted to hide that away behind a wall and so it wouldn't be on public view. And that shaped my own life. And uh, in my years as growing up, I very quickly hid away anything which did not conform to what I was told was what it was to be a Christian and a Protestant and all of those things. I hid them away because I didn't want anybody to find out what I was really like. But of course, those things always come back. They don't stay hidden forever and they come back in unexpected ways. And that has been my own experience. In my adult years, I eventually had to come to terms with my sexuality, which was a very long, painful and messy journey, not just for myself, but for those around me too. I eventually accepted that I was gay and then uh, the journey of gradually coming out to one or two people and then eventually coming to a point uh, where my marriage ended and other people needed to know what was going on and the circumstances around it. It was all done in a very low-key manner, but nonetheless, it was a painful journey. And that process of estrangement, of ab being abandoned, came far more quickly than I had feared it would. I was cut adrift uh, by the church that I served, by the institution of the church, by many friends who said they loved me, but suddenly they stayed a distant, they stayed distant to me. And at that time, I just knew something of isolation and mental breakdown. The Church of England had never provided many visible role models of what it looked like to be a passionate Christian disciple and gay. I did follow the developments elsewhere in the Anglican Communion, especially in North America, including where I now serve in the Diocese of New Westminster, where they bravely thought, tried to include members of the LGBTI communities and they paid a price for it. And so when I came out, stepping out of the nice, neat ideal people had projected onto me and my family and which I colluded with, that estrangement was brutal. However, it was not the end of my story. From those wounds, and they were big wounds, deep wounds that cut deeply, I've learned to minister being vulnerable with who I am and also sharing my story so that others can gain courage and can see that, uh, that they can, can reconcile their faith and their identity. It has also transformed my relationship with God and the flow of the Holy Spirit in and through my life and through to others has increased markedly as I have been more honest about who I am. And suddenly I feel that the burdens that others, not God, had placed on me are being lifted and that I am being healed. However, one of those decisions was to leave the Church of England and with the encouragement of my sons and to go to Canada where I don't have to negotiate my sexuality that I did that I had to do in England and here I am learning what it is to be known not only by God and loved by God but now to be also known by others and to be loved by them. Thank you to Philip for sharing his personal experience of making himself vulnerable, a challenge to us all.
and so our final Bible text for this series, and hopefully to encourage us in the endeavour of living the vulnerable life, choosing to be capable of the wounds that living can give us, following Jesus and being vulnerable, and being those who bring healing to our communities rather than a defended insensitivity, is John chapter 20, verses 19 to 29. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. The capability of being wounded means that we have the capacity to be those who bring healing to the places where God has called us. So may the wounds of Jesus break our own hardnesses of heart so that we may be soft enough to be healed ourselves and to bring that healing to others. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Let others know about it and do catch up on any you have missed from Anchor or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, among other platforms. I look forward to being with you again for the next series in the new year. Go well into your day and may you come again soon to these doors.